stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Kevin Cook, Zach's senior stock strategist, to talk about Chinese stocks. What's going on with them? Should you still own them? Should you sell everything you've got? What what should you do? And we have a little bit of experience with this um, in our own portfolios and the Zach's portfolios. So we're gonna head right into it. So Kevin, this is this is becoming a big issue now about what to do if you own Chinese stocks. You know, should should you be selling here? Well, as a matter of fact, Tracy, I did yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I got rid of my two favorite Chinese companies, Alibaba and Baidu. And and I probably should have done it two weeks ago, but I didn't quite see the writing on the wall. And looking back with hindsight over the weekend, I now see the DD IPO as the epicenter of what's going on now. Um Okay. Uh, Didi is the giant ride-sharing service in China, like like Uber. Um, symbol is DIDI. They IPO'd in New York, uh, like the end of June, maybe maybe June 29th or something. Okay. The stock was up in the teens, 16 bucks, and then Chinese regulators basically started clamping down on them and shutting, making them shut down their apps. Right. And and the stock cratered. I think the stock is now cut in half from where it IPO'd. It's yeah. definitely under 10 bucks. Um, and there's several reasons that regulators did that, but it, I think it was sort of a watershed moment where if you didn't think <laughs> that Chinese regulators could come in and destroy a company or a stock, you know, you got, you just got a wake up call. And I, I, I should give credit to you, Tracy, because You've been warning us about this for three years. Um, what was your experience? What happened with Tencent? When was that? Right. I I, I own Tencent in my own portfolio. So that's ticker T-C-E-N-Y. And for those who don't know, Tencent is the Facebook of China, basically. H-Y, right? T-C-E-H-Y. Um, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, they yeah they're the facebook of china and so i wanted to own that right if i can't own facebook over there i want access to that and they're also big in gaming media and music so that covers the whole thing so everything was looking good you know they're growing the earnings they're growing their monthly active users all the all the things but then suddenly in 2018 the government decided they didn't like the recent release of a video game. Like they literally was one of their big uh, games of the year. They put it out and like two weeks after they put it out, suddenly the government said, no, we don't like this and we want, you have to withdraw it from the market. And was it, it like was, explicit content or something like that? Well, they claimed at the time that uh, there were several things going on in, in China at the time. So three years ago, more people were apparently gaming and were like internet addicts on the games. <laughs> so, you know, where they would go in there for like 20 hours in like an internet cafe and got addicted or something. So they used that as, as one of the reasons. And then also like violent games. So they were trying to say like the culture 
was, you know, too violent. So they wanted him to withdraw this particular game. But Tencent obviously had no choice. It had it just withdrew it immediately. But it was their big game of the year. But that was a real wake up call to me as an owner of this business that, hey, the government can just step in at any time and change their business model. Well, that's a little scary for me. And that's not necessarily something I want to own when it's when it's that um, easy for them to do that. Like and and at the time, I got into a lot of discussions online on stock twits and Twitter with other Chinese investors when I said I'm selling out of all my Chinese stocks. Um, that was the only one I owned, though. But if I owned any others, I would have sold those too because. And you definitely weren't buying them for your Zacks portfolios. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I did own some in, in the Zacks, but I got rid of them around the same time as well. And I have not bought any others because it's like this huge risk. But they would always argue, well, the SEC or, you know, the antitrust or Congress can make like some new regulation that also hurts like American businesses. So what's the difference? But the difference to me is that you you don't we don't have Congress just stepping in and saying you have to withdraw or stop uh, providing that product like immediately. <laughs> like It just doesn't happen like that. There may be a long drawn out process where things get regulated a certain way, but um, it's it's not just, you know, the the main the White House or something like that just coming out and saying, no, you can't do this for your business. Right, so right. It's not, it, it's not capricious. And in the right. case of the Chinese Communist Party, it could definitely be capricious and come out of nowhere. Right, exactly. So I did sell Tencent for a loss at the time, but uh, it wasn't as big of losses as what's happening now in some of these stocks, actually. But yeah, I, see, I, I see in 2018, it got up to a high of 60 and then it was just a straight downtrend for a year down to, you know, into the low 30s in yes. late 2018. Right. Because of these issues of, um, you know, the government being uh, concerned and trying to kind of, you know, control where they were going. Now, you can see like gaming is still I looked this up. Gaming is is still a huge percentage of their business now and it's about half in 2020 it was about half of their total revenue but international gaming is really really small percentage of um of overall gaming revenue and just so and obviously of their overall revenue because of what the government is basically doing now and keeping these companies what i believe to be like you know basically domestic entities <laughs> They are. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that, that's the thing. When when we uh, peel back the layers of this onion, it, it gets more complex, and that's why yeah. it really caught me by surprise in the past couple of weeks. Because if we back up and just talk about the U.S., remember the U.S. Uh, came up with these new regulations last year, where where we were going to hold foreign counties, foreign companies accountable. In fact, it's called the HFCAA Act. Uh, holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, right. where would require the SEC to prohibit trading of securities of foreign companies in U.S. markets after three consecutive years if if their books weren't open, if we didn't have full transparency on you know their balance sheets and income statements. Right. Um, and there's this whole public accounting oversight board. So, but I thought you know that thing's got like a three-year window and. 
so the U.S. is not really in a hurry to delist delist U.S. companies. But what, what we just saw happen is that China was willing to basically do it themselves. They, yes. That, that's the other reason. Well, there are two reasons they were mad at Didi. One, I think that Didi did not have permission to go ahead and do an IPO in New York. Right. And they and they basically yes. looked at it like, oh, you know, every you know, all Chinese companies are doing it. We'll get away with this. And they they oh. sort of did an end run around the yeah. Communist Party, and yeah. went ahead with the IPO. So here's the, here's the the China Communist Party basically, you know, slapping their wrists and saying no. And the other thing is that the regulatory authorities in China tried to say that this was about data privacy, that they were trying to protect. Right. Chinese consumers, because you know the DD ride sharing app would would if somebody hacked it would you'd have all this data about Chinese roads and consumers, but you and I both know better that when when China says something like that, what they really mean is they just want to control the data. They're not trying to protect consumers because they'd be the first to use surveillance and data right. in nefarious ways anyway, right? Right. But all of that, that data, um, as well as obviously the economic data you'd get from having the books be open and transparent, like what what parts of the country uses more rideshare than others, like just little right. things like that that might tell you about Chinese society and trends right. and all of that that could be ascertained from having the books be open. They don't want that out. Why would they? They don't want it out with Alibaba. Imagine if we actually did get transparency in Alibaba's books or JD.com about the shopping habits mm-hmm. of, of Chinese consumers and businesses for that matter. So that that's too risky. They, they can't know, have that. We should add, uh, if this sort of Chinese stock story is new to anyone, some other background color the big blow recently was when Alibaba tried to take their financial unit, uh, which is called Ant Financial, and yeah. have a, have one of the largest IPOs for it. It's sort of like it'd be sort of like uh, you know Facebook or Google rolling out their own Square, right? right. And, that, you know, and that's how big Ant was in in digital wallets, and and the Chinese people are definitely very digital with their money, so. Yeah. The regulator stepped in and said, uh-uh, Jack Ma, no, you're not doing an IPO for Ant. And then, and because they really wanted to clamp down. And you've done some research on this too. What is it about the the sort of, when you, the, the, does China have these cycles where all of a sudden the, the rich and successful and now more so tech entrepreneurs become billionaires that they feel the need to clamp down on them, right? Yes, yeah. And they they did it uh, about 10 years ago when the um, governors of the various states were getting a little too rich off of the real estate boom and what was going on with that. And many of the um, party members were becoming billionaires and their kids were wealthy and the kids started buying things that expressed that wealth like Ferrari cars or Rolex watches and things like that. And the the head of the party, you know, they had to clamp down on what was going on there because 
it's just like yeah. another center of power basically <laughs> that could be developing in, inside. So the, and they did, they clamped down on all of that. People went to jail. Um, suddenly there's not much talk about people like driving the Ferraris around, even though there are Ferraris there still. Um, and that was any kind of risk to the party, the head party leadership was removed in you know, about 10 years ago. And now, now we have this kind of similar rise of these powerful tech companies also with a lot of money involved and popular personalities like Jack Ma, who was known in, uh, you know, globally, but was also a big hero within China. He had his own business school. He had like a best-selling book. People like idolized him like they would like an Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or, you know, any of our big entrepreneurs. Oh, so that's and, another thing. It's not just that the the, the tech billionaires became rich, is that also right? they were adored, they were adored yeah. more than the leaders, right? Yeah. So that that's also a risk and that had kind of had to be dealt with as well amidst all this. So, and then also there's just a fact of, of a big IPO, another big one like Ant. Uh, once it's out there and once you're doing business in you know foreign countries in a big way, it, it's not as likely that the Chinese government would just shut that down. Like that, then that becomes, you know, more of like an embarrassment or something if they had to do that. Like then that goes to their like international reputation. So you have to stop them from getting international and keep it domestic in order to keep the control is what I think. So even like five or six years ago, Amazon made a big investment into India. They decided that India was going to be the next big, uh, you know, consumer market. They couldn't get into China because you know, they were blocked from going in there because of Alibaba and JD were, were in that market and the Chinese would not let Amazon in. So India was considered the next big, you know, uh, competition for that, those consumers. So they put 5 billion in, um, they rolled out, you know, distribution, like everything that they do, the prime, all of that. And everybody, including myself, thought, you know, this is where you're going to see Alibaba or JD.com and Amazon go head to head. And who will win India? Well, here we are, you know, five years later, and there's no doubt who's won India. It's clearly Amazon. But Alibaba and JD.com weren't even really in the game. They gave up like years ago. There is Alipay and some things like that that go on in like Southeast Asia and stuff. But for the most part, like for sure on, you know, consumer uh, products and shopping and all of that outside of China, they have they have totally given up on being competitive on the global stage. But that's because that's basically being mandated from above. So now Amazon so has. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think that China wouldn't want their companies to get a foothold in India? Is it is it is it again the we don't want our information out there for everyone to see? No, I think it is just a matter of once they, if they uh, were successful in India, then how do you control that? Oh, I see. Right. You know, because you're not, again, you can't suddenly be like, eh, we're deciding to shut down the whole India division. Like once it's established, no, you okay. cannot. And so then it, it gets, it gets to be a little bit away from you. <laughs> so, yeah. So again, it's, it's, we can't let our tech companies get so powerful that they're more powerful than the Communist Party. That's right. 
And yeah, and you look at what's even happened here. Um, I I don't think it's coincidental, but I'm not obviously a Chinese expert, so they'll have to tell us. But um, I don't think it's coincidental that you had Facebook and Twitter ban the former president from the platforms, and now suddenly we're seeing uh, this you know, crackdown on their tech companies and an assertion of control because they've seen what's happened here when you don't have control, basically. <laughs> so I said I was late to selling, like I really should have absorbed this DD news quicker about two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you know who else was late? Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. I did see that she's now selling, right? Well, yeah, last night, so I sold my positions yesterday while the market was open, and then I sent my alert out to my people. Um, not, I didn't. I sent my alert out, or not my alert, my my summary, my evening summary, explaining again why I sold. And um, and then about a half hour after that, I got my ARC daily summary. You know, that that's the one, not yeah. the one, that's one of the cool things about Kathy Wood's transparency with an active yeah. ETF. She sends out a daily email. Hey, here's what we bought and sold every day. It comes out about uh, about 10:30 Eastern time, and big wipeouts in positions. Let me look at 10 cent here. 10 cent was 630,000 shares sold. Wow. Baba, I see one trade here for 100,000 shares sold. Um, Baidu was in here. I think there was another Baba, another big Baba trade, and then a JD trade. 651,000 shares of JD sold. Wow. So she finally made the decision. Yeah, this is, you, you just, you you can't have any confidence in your ability to invest in these companies right now. No, um, and, and because, I mean, you are buying the business if you're investing for the longer term, not trading them, but investing in them. And nobody knows what what's going to be the next shoe to drop. I mean, I mean, you mentioned that news about Tencent over the weekend, where they that was for Tencent Music, which is also a separate ticker. They they spun that off. What is that ticker? TME or something, isn't it? Oh yeah, I forgot. That's a separate uh, yeah public yeah, company. Yeah, TME is the ticker. They they haven't been trading that long, really. But um, it's down another 7% today when we're recording this on July 27th. But and that, it's, taken that, the, it's taken the mothership down 16% in two days, Tracy. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that that news just like kind of came out of the blue. And so you don't know. We've had the, the news about reining in the um, online education companies. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Right. Those have all been hit really hard. That was the big, that was the big blow on Friday. Like Tal Education was down over sixty percent, yeah, because they all of a sudden came in and said, you know, they're totally revamping any ideas of a of an education model. Well, the I entire mean, just, business model. Yeah, is, just destroyed that business. Apart. Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, so these are the dangers that are out there. For more than just like Alibaba and that, I, I was taking a look at trip.com. It used to be called C-Trip, which is like basically the Expedia of China. And it's it's like partially owned by Booking, um, which was Priceline. So Booking owns a huge chunk of it because they bought it to have exposure to the Chinese um, consumer. And it's down 28% in the last month on, on all this stuff going on. Now, nothing has been announced or said or done against the online, you know, companies at all, but 
these are the ones that are a question, you know, should you be holding on to these when nothing is happening with them? Or do I need, do I just need to sell everything? Well, that, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a really good question because on Friday, when they, when they took the action against the education companies like uh, TAL, yeah. TAL, and that stock was down 60% right away, right. I thought, oh, Baba and Baidu, they're only down 5%. So they're, they're not going to be, you know, they're only going to be small collateral damage here. They'll be fine. Right. And, you know, uh, you give me what, you know, by Monday I was saying, uh-uh, no, this is bad. Yeah. So do you think that, I mean, here's what I have trouble grasping is, you know, I said to my people over the weekend that it's, it's like if the, if the communist party will eat their own, if they're going to eat their own children, their companies, right. then anything is possible. Are how far are they willing to go to really hurt their economy here? I don't know. Um, that's that's a separate question. But nobody does anyone really think the party um, makes the good economic decisions always? <laughs> you know, I mean, the yeah. same thing could be said of the Fed and and all of that too. But but that is the question, right? I've never known a government who could actually get that right in, at all times. So that's why I don't, I don't trust any of it, even with the big caps. Um, yeah. Because I used to think that they chose their winners in these tech areas. So they chose Baidu originally years ago to be uh -huh. the winner, to be the Google of China. So any other competitors were like, sorry, they, they assisted these guys to get big because they wanted the, the Chinese equivalent to the Google in their country. And, and it worked. But I always thought they would, you know, ensure that they stayed the winners <laughs> and, yeah. and even possibly globally be winners because that's the American model, right? We, we want our companies to be the global winners. And that's right. kind of it, what we do. As you, as you pointed out, like we get to invest in the stocks of a of an Alibaba or a Tencent, but they're not dependent on foreign sales. No. Right. So that's so that's now. sort of the difference. I guess the the Communist Party realizes we're not you know, we're not losing by punishing these companies. We're not losing any foreign sales. We're just we're just uh, gutting investor confidence in their ability to to buy the stocks. And we already have proof that they don't care about that. You know, um, right. I, I think you follow um, what's her name? Uh, Therese Paletti, who, you know, she's like you. She's been writing about yeah. China stocks for years on Market Watch. And she reminded me that, of the example of Kihu. Remember Kihu? Right. Um, hey. That that they basically trashed the stock for seem for you know hard to figure out reasons because I I know because I was a shareholder and it seemed like everything was right <laughs> about the growth of Kihu, but they yeah. kept trashing the stock and then they they end up taking it private, take it back to China, take it private. And then do a do a new IPO there, and the people who did that, the the sort of noble class of China who was allowed to do that, you know, ended up making like five times their money, yeah. on basically debilitating the stock, taking it private, doing a new IPO, and cashing in. Yeah. So maybe they're willing to do that with all these companies. Well, Alibaba went private once, and then. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So they've already done it too. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, like these are all the issues that are kind of out there. And I know some investors will say, I know these issues and I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to stay in um, because I still feel like these are good businesses. But my problem with that argument is if some of these only stay uh, domestic only. So, for instance, I looked up uh, Tencent to see what was happening with WeChat and Wexen. That's the Facebook part of the business. And as of the end of December 2020, so the end of that year, they had 1.225 billion uh, monthly active users. But that was just up 5.2% from the year before, because basically at 1.225 billion, they're reaching the end of where they can find some more monthly active users within their own country. So what happens to that business? How do they grow? It's not all about the monthly active user because it's about the revenue you're getting from each of those. But without being able to grow at all the monthly active users, I'm not sure I want to own that business at this stage of its development. You know, 10 years ago when it was like growing that at like 30% every year, that's a different story. But everybody, you know, always wants to buy China to get access to its huge market. But these big businesses already have have tapped at that. They're already mature businesses. Yeah. Oh, I don't even consider them to be deals here on the the sell-off with the other risks that we've already. Yeah, yeah, not with not when they could take them back home and take them private. I mean, yeah, that's uh, right. you know, in this this uh, Therese Paletti article on Market Watch from uh, from July twenty fourth, it's titled "This is your final warning." Chinese stocks listed in the U.S. are dangerous to hold. She talks to a lot of uh, pretty smart people in the know. And yep. um, uh, there's a professor at Harvard, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Freed, I think is his name. And uh, he shares this one opinion. I want to read this because it because um, it's sort of tells you what, you know, the the landmine you might be walking on. He says, my gut sense is that China will try to reach some accommodation with the U.S. government. For now, China wants to keep the U.S. markets open and available for these young Chinese companies, which China's undeveloped capital markets cannot adequately support. So this raises a question for me. Obviously, New York loves the China IPOs, right? Because that's yeah. <laughs> that's IPO money for the big banks. 100%. But but what I what I can't wrap my head around is is why China's capital markets would still be undeveloped. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I've been I've been working on trading floors for 25 years and watching how fast technology developed in New York and in Chicago. And it's always been so easy for China to copy. And in fact, China has alliances with U.S. exchanges like how could they have undeveloped capital markets that couldn't support their own IPOs? That, that's what I don't understand. What do you think about that? Well, I guess they're assuming that there's not enough Chinese investors okay. who, would be, who would be diving into all of these. They don't they don't have the firepower. It seemed like there was a craze though, a while ago, wasn't there a few years ago? The, the the Chinese retail investors were going crazy, just like sort of the uh, the, the meme yeah. stocks here. Yeah, 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 that was the case. They did have like a mini stock bubble a couple of years ago. But if you're taking some of these, you know, public at 10 or 20 billion, some of them, 
Yeah. They must just not have. I know that she said in that article, there's 248 Chinese companies on U.S. exchanges and for 2.1 trillion. So they they really don't have the 2.1 trillion to back it. They yeah, they must not have the uh, the sort of uh, infrastructure that we have with investment funds, you know, right. so where you have these, you know, you got a capital world. Um, I mean, obviously, Fidelity and BlackRock are, yeah. are huge supports for our markets and they don't have that. Yeah. And another thing that investors should be aware of, too, which I wasn't until about three weeks ago, is that you may own a lot of these Chinese companies in an ETF or a mutual fund and not even know it. Right. So I, I do recommend people go look and make sure what they own because three weeks ago I was looking at my own 401k, which I hadn't looked at in a while because I know what it's in, but I didn't know what it was in. So I owned a uh, mutual fund in it that was a developing market mutual fund. And sure enough, when I was like, what, what does this own? It was about 40% Chinese stocks. <laughs> and so any of those in in those types of funds, it is going to be Chinese stocks. Yeah, yeah. Anything emerging markets. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did sell it three weeks ago and just redeployed the money somewhere else. But, um, you know, it wasn't performing well by any means, even three weeks ago because of the uh, huge concentration in Chinese stocks. So if you really don't want to own any. Um, it's kind of hard because if you own any international type of fund, but in in that one in particular, it was way overweighted in the Chinese, so I had to sell it. Uh, another way to get access to Chinese um, consumers and that market over there is to own American companies doing business over there, but there is risk to that too, as we've, we've also seen that recently with, with Nike. So remember, there was some kind of like social media uh, campaign against Nike a couple couple weeks ago where the consumers were like, don't buy Nike for X, Y, Z reason. I don't remember what it was, but there was concern and Nike had to release a statement saying, no, you know, we're, we're really for this or whatever it was. And so there are these risks, risks still over there. Of, of American companies um, doing business in China that you should be aware of. So that would be, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's, um, Nike, Lululemon, a lot of the, the retail names, uh, Capri, a lot of these have business uh, in the country that could be impacted as well going yeah. forward. So you should just be aware of risks, but everything has risks. Every, every company has risks. Obviously. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, the, the biggest risk to me for emerging markets seemed the trade war. Well, yeah, what <laughs> this, this action lately by China kind of dwarfs that. Right. Right. This is, this is much more severe, I think. So, so yeah, yeah I'm just so I not- guess if you want access to the largest middle class in the world, you just buy Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. Or McDonald's, <laughs> or, or maybe Tesla's doing. I think Tesla's doing well. well Tesla's China, another too. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there is way to get exposure without actually buying the Chinese companies. So, are you going to keep like Baidu and Baba like on a watch list and like kind of see what develops and like re reevaluate, you know, weeks or months ahead, you know, in the in the future to see if maybe you could buy them again? Yeah, yeah. Of course, um, I'm. I'm I'm always interested in those two because I mean Alibaba really is the Amazon of China. 
and yeah. they're expanding in, you know, into the cloud and data center and providing those services for other enterprises. Right. Uh, and then Baidu is just so heavily into uh, artificial intelligence and autonomous driving. They sort of have the golden key from the government to do all the testing for autonomous driving. So, yeah, I'm going to keep watching them. But if, you know, if, if the Chinese government tells you, hey, our companies are not investable, I'm going to listen to them, <laughs> okay. you know, and I'll, I'll just have to watch them from a distance. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's good advice. And I think, you know, we're going to see some more things probably happening from. Yeah. I mean, this could be, it, this could be, uh, this could go on for, you know, at least another 18 months. Yeah. And, and when the dust settles, you know, there'll, there'll be some people who make some real money who, yeah. who buy on the way down. And then when it turns, maybe it turns fast and all of a sudden all these stocks are back up 20% in a week. Um, but that's, uh, you know, you could take that risk if you have really good research to inform you or if it's a small percentage of your capital. Right, right, right. Good, good advice there, too. OK, so I think we've covered everything for now. We'll have to revisit, revisit this issue. Yeah. I'm still not owning any. And as the value investor here at Zacks, if I only I had listened to you, Tracy, two years ago, <laughs> although. <laughs> Although I did make some good money on Baidu for a short-term trade, I, I was buying it under 140 last year, and then all of a sudden Kathy Wood just started buying it like crazy, and and we had yeah. this bubble. Baidu went to 360. I was wow. lucky to get take some profits above 300, um, and then I only took like a 12% loss on my most recent trade, so I really can't complain. Yeah, no, that's not that bad. And another thing, I cannot own any Chinese stocks in the insider trader, just FYI. I never right. could because we don't know if anyone's insider right. trader. <laughs> yeah, it's, very, so, the, it's very shadowy there. <laughs> right, right. So that was also one of my complaints over the years is that they should have to disclose you know, what Jack Ma is doing with his shares the same way we need to know what Jeff Bezos is doing with his. So I hope you know, that some of that does come into play moving forward to make it more transparent for investors to know what is going on behind the scenes. So, okay, we mentioned a lot of tickers on today's episode. Tencent is T-C-E-H-Y, so let's get that one right. Alibaba, B-A-B-A, -A. Baidu is B-I-D-U, Trip.com is T-C-O-M, Tencent Music is T-M-E as in Edward. DD is D-I-D-I, TAL is T-A-L. We mentioned Kathy Wood, that's in her ARK funds. So A-R-K-K -K is the innovator one, the oldest. And I think that was it. JD. Oh, JD, sorry, can't yep. forget them. Um, I guess that is it. Yeah, that, that, those are <laughs> a those lot all, of stocks. Look, but, look, at their, look at their charts this week and it tells the story. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it'll be an interesting thing to watch going forward, as we said. But as always, you want to be sure to subscribe because who knows what we'll be discussing next week here on the Market Edge. And you don't want to miss a single episode. So get us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're anywhere you can get the podcasts. But be sure to listen in. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.